pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. It's football season, Scotty. September. Yeah, also college basketball starts in roughly four weeks. It doesn't matter. This isn't a basketball podcast. You have your own separate podcast to talk about that. Yeah, Folks, I just I like to remind myself, though. Folks come here to... Basketball's coming. Get the lowdown on, on Brett Beal and this program. That's Scott Ritchie. Or do everything Illini beat writer who apparently isn't too concerned about Friday night's football game in Bloomington, Indiana, because he's more concerned about why the Big Ten hasn't released its basketball schedule yet. But you're not wrong. Valid point. And uh, Friday night game, Friday night's game. That's future Scott's problem. That is true, and it's <laughs> going to be a real problem because <laughs> it starts very far you know, into the evening. Uh, I'm sports editor Matt Daniels uh, here with Scott to break down the Illini and. Big Ten opener Friday night in Bloomington, Indiana. How are how are Brett Bielema's Illini feeling, Scotty? I'd say pretty good. You know, based off of a season opening win against Wyoming, uh, an easy win, uh, and a win where, for the most part, they stayed healthy. I mean, the one obvious concern is Josh McCray, and you know, the sophomore running back will not play at Indiana. Um, likely won't play in you know, the next two games. Um, no real timetable for his return, but the fact that there will be a return, I think, is the, the positive. It was not a season-ending right knee injury that he suffered. Um, but when he comes back, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so, Brad Bielema addressed that uh, Wednesday afternoon in a, a Zoom call that he's did this week with uh, local reporters in ADY was over Zoom. I think it's because of their schedule this week and like they were practicing, been practicing nights. Yeah, he missed his own radio show. Some else. Um, so it's not well, just with the schedule. It made more sense to Zoom. I I guess I don't know because I'm fairly certain he was probably in either his office at the Smith Center or they set up like a Zoom room. Um, like we could have gone there, yeah, and met him on the first floor, like we usually do. But I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, though, uh, the Illini coming off a rather impressive thirty-eight to six win against Wyoming, as we noted in our pre-production meeting. That's the best FBS team in Wyoming this season because it's the only FBS team in the great state of Wyoming. But still, I think all things considered, it was. Probably the perfect way for Illinois to, to start the season. Get a pretty convincing win. You get to rest your starters. But you also have some some flaws, some areas that uh, I'm sure Brett Bielema and his coaching staff have kind of picked apart this week with the players. Yeah, and I mean, for the most part, it, there were positives mm-hmm. out of you know last Saturday's win. Uh, but there were some moments uh, in the first quarter where, I mean, the first 
offensive possession lasted two plays in 35 seconds. And it was one big run by Chase Brown and then a touchdown catch from Chase Brown. Then the offense, it, it wasn't as smooth, mm-hmm. um, really, until uh, into the second quarter. You know, well, the, Scott, you just expect them to score every possession then? Well, when you take two plays to score your first touchdown, you set the expectations a little higher. Had you settled in yet to your your rhythms in the press box? Had you Did you have the tweet ready to go? Did you expect to be tweeting that soon into the first quarter of an Illinois touchdown? No. Okay. Mostly because I've covered Illinois for several years, and I don't, I can't recall ever seeing a touchdown that fast. Fair enough. Certainly not under Tony Peterson. Um, but I mean, the offensive line had some communication you know, issues where it just they were not maybe as cohesive as they need to be. And yeah, Brett Bielma kind of pointed it out. From left to right, you had Julian Pearl, who started at Illinois, but this is his first mm-hmm. time left tackle. Isaiah Adams, first time starting mm-hmm. at the FBS level. Alex Pilstrom came to Illinois as a walk-on tight end. Now he's the starting center of position he had never played before, um, really, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Chrysler, same thing, first time playing at the FBS level, and then said that, sure, Alex Palcheski kind of balances out because uh, – I think what's the exaggeration was this is like his 88th start. Mm. So he's on his 88th start. I think uh, it's actually next to start 53. Yeah, like Keith Randolph joked, you know, I think last week that, you know, he's in, he's learned a lot from Paucho in his 14 years of college football. He's almost halfway there. Yeah. Uh, but just, it wasn't as clean as it probably needs to be. Mm-hmm. Clean as it needed to be against a Wyoming team that was certainly missing all of those guys that played last year and could have played this year but left and went to you know power conference teams good Um, day for ryan walter's defense though they still haven't given up a touchdown as we record this on thursday september 1st about 30 hours or so before illinois indiana kickoff at what 705 p.m central time friday night that's too late yeah the defense was It'd be as expected after mm-hmm. you know, last season. It was just sort of incremental growth. You know, really after the Virginia game last year. And um, I think the one issue, and it didn't hurt them because Wyoming's offense was um, not that great. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Zero pressure on the quarterback. Okay. Uh, no quarterback hurries, no sacks. A single tackle for loss split between Keith Randolph and Tariq Barnes. And that's fine when, you know, Andrew Peasley was uh, just bad. What, 5 of 20 for 30 passing yards? Yeah, and an interception. Okay. Um, That's not going to cut it against Indiana Mm -hmm. or probably anybody else on the schedule. Even, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Chattanooga, an FCS program, as a better football team than Wyoming. We know they got a good basketball team. Yeah, almost pulled the upset. So maybe the football team strikes its revenge mm-hmm. in a few weeks. But uh, the defense, you know, up front, solid Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, you know, were playing. Uh, really kind of showed that, you know, their unique talent because both can move mm-hmm. for as big as they are. And they were, you know, getting out onto the edge and making some plays. Calvin Avery, like, all we heard during camp was, like, this is a different Calvin. Mm-hmm. 
and it was like he again like nose guards never gonna like have all these huge like counting mm-hmm. stats but he was a force in the middle um the linebackers were okay i think that in between Trick Barnes, C.J. Hart, Isaac Dark Angelo—they essentially split the reps almost perfectly three ways. Um, this, there wasn't anything like special mm-hmm. about them. Secondary, I think, is the strength of this. Quan Martin, Quan Martin was their best defensive player. Uh, Devin Witherspoon had the pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidney Brown is Sidney Brown. Like, I think that's that's where they have a real strength. So we'll see what they can do against probably. Connor Basilak, um, Missouri transfer, would be surprised if he doesn't start for Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Tuttle was sort of the incumbent, I guess, and like as tight a grip of, as Brett Bielma had on any information getting out you know, between spring practices, fall camp, etc. Uh, Tom Allen was even stingier you know, about that. They didn't didn't even like. Put their spring game on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, reporters got zero looks at this team. Um, so it'll be a mystery, but probably will be the Missouri transfer. And he's had two good years at Missouri. Like he, He's a much better quarterback than Wyoming's quarterback. So I think it's just everything has to be better than it was last week, even as good as a 38-6 win was. Like, this is a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indiana might not be great, but they're probably better than Wyoming. Chase Brown had a great season opener for the Illini, 151 rushing yards on 19 carries, three total touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving, uh, three catches for 16 yards, including that 14-yard touchdown catch from Tommy DeVito for the Illini's first touchdown of the season. DeVito... Solid numbers, 27 to 37, 194 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Didn't really test the Wyoming defense down the field. Don't know that he really needed to in that game. I think Barry Lenny Jr. in his first game as Illinois offensive coordinator kind of played it close to the vest. Didn't really want to open up the whole playbook necessarily, especially when Illinois really kind of took control and the game was out of hand in the second half. Uh, just how would you assess kind of the two big names on the LNR offense and, and Chase Brown and, and Tommy DeVito and their their week, their season opening performance? I'm not going to say week zero performance because it was the first week of the season. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Brown is Chase Brown. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I expected him to do. Because um, what he did pretty much all of last year when he was healthy. He had 19 carries. I don't know if... If it was a closer game, maybe he gets more. So what he had fifteen in the first half. I yeah. Say. Uh, but the had reason it wasn't had like one hundred and thirty nine rushing yards in the first half. Yeah, the reason it wasn't a closer game was because he had established himself as an mm-hmm. offensive threat early. Um, so he hurt his own cause by being too good. Um, no, but I think that's what you can expect from Chase Brown probably on the regular. Mm-hmm. You know, the running back position in the Big Ten. It's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. A lot of good players there. Um, so in a way, I feel like Chase Brown is almost overlooked a little bit. Um, I can see that changing you know, as he likely puts up numbers pretty mm-hmm. similar to this. Just has that unique combination of size and speed. I mean, he's 5'11", 205, built like a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, 
then he's got a quick like when he makes up his mind to go like he goes uh Tommy DeVito it's what he had I mean it don't I don't think Illinois needs Tommy DeVito to be great Mm -hmm. they just need him to be good Mm -hmm. and good on a game to game basis and I think that's what he was like he had one pass where maybe you know Got vertical, but it was a broken play. Pat Bryant you know, open on the sideline. Excuse me. <coughs> Should have brought the water bottle. Um, but Wyoming played really soft coverage. Mm-hmm. The underneath routes were open. He completed most of those passes. Uh, stayed upright as well. Like, that's the key for him. Yeah, I think it was after the game he said it was the first time uh, he had not – been hit or gotten sacked in a college football game uh what did he say 86 times that it happened at syracuse yeah when he was the starter at syracuse so roughly 14 games over Mm -hmm. not quite obviously not quite two full seasons sacked 86 times that's when we did quick math on monday night sports talk and that's what 6.2 per game seems like a lot yeah and and he and Arts Archikowski got in the game late when it was uh well in hand. Uh completed all three of his passes as well. He's pretty sharp in, in that relief role. Uh but he and Sikowski completed passes to twelve different Illini. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint who is the go to receiver when you've when you're throwing the ball around that much. Isaiah Williams did have seven catches but for only twenty six yards. I think Pat Bryant kind of opened some eyes. Three catches, 44 yards, and Brian Hightower showed again that he can be a decent college football <laughs> receiver after he went missing for some reason in, in the Tony Peterson offense in 2021. Yeah, I mean, had four catches, I think 32 yards mm-hmm. against Wyoming. It was four more catches and 32 more yards than he had all of last year. Um, yeah, and also, like, I wrote about this, you can read it in Friday's News Gazette, like, when he caught the ball, the chains moved. Like mm-hmm. he was a target when they're looking for a first down. So, I mean, like I say, Williams is still the number one, and he was targeted more than anybody else on the team. And had two plays that would have really kind of bumped up his yardage, called back because of penalties. Um, just what happened there. <laughs> Both those plays went to him. Um, yeah, Brett Bielen wasn't too happy with the penalties. I know uh, sitting in the press box, you don't get the privy of uh, listening to the television broadcast the game is on, but it's muted. But uh, coming off the sidelines at halftime, Rick Pizzo, the BTN sideline reporter, caught up with Bielen, and he was none too pleased with the officiating uh, and uh, the flags called against the Illini in the first half. He should have been ready for it, though, because he mentioned several times during the week. He like, mentioned it, too, in his interview with Pizzo that they were the most – the crew that called the game was the one that had threw the most flags in the Big Ten last season. So – and he told – I think he told the players that, like, just be ready. Mm-hmm. Like, if you even commit something that looks like a penalty, they're going to flag you for it, even if it's not. So – and, I mean, that was an issue I think in the first half. They kind of – slowed down on the making mistakes front yeah, as the game progressed, but it was just I think everything Illinois needed in the season opener. Now we'll see if they can translate that to 
the Indiana game because you know last year they you know win their season opener in that quote unquote week zero against Nebraska, then turn around and lose to UTSA. Um, can't really have that happen again this year. Like this is a pivotal game on the schedule. Win and you know making a bowl becomes, I think, significantly easier. Uh, you mentioned off the top about uh, Josh McRae's uh, leg injury. Can we call it as a knee injury? That it's never it's lower body. Injury. Certainly lower body. I mean, he had a the brace. fact that he was like holding onto his knee on the field, and he has knee wrapped in ice after he left the medical tent. I'm comfortable saying it was a knee injury. So he's he's missing the Indiana game, going to miss the Virginia game next Saturday as well. Might be back for the Chattanooga game on September 22nd. Because there's the bye week in there, and that's when you know, Brett Bielma said that I think they'll reevaluate. Mm-hmm. But it's just mostly just how his body sort of reacts and recovers. Now this leads me to the next question is, Brett Bielen has made it abundantly clear that if he gets a chance to play in late August to open the season like he has the last two seasons and his first two years leading Illinois, he's going to do that. But on the flip side, no one knows what Indiana is going to be like come Friday night, and that's by design. Tom Allen and his coaching staff over there in Bloomington have a good idea of what Illinois is going to look like since they showed it to the world last Saturday here in Champaign. Do you think it's a good thing, bad thing for Illinois to already have played a game ahead of uh, their their Big Ten opener at Indiana on Friday night? I think you can argue both sides of this mm-hmm. and not be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that playing a game is better than not playing a game. Because mm-hmm. you'll get, I mean, like the penalties. Illinois just made some... Made some stupid mistakes. Yeah, because it was the first game. The first, it, like this was football. Mm-hmm. Um, so Indiana is going to probably make some stupid mistakes because this is their first game. It's the first time, mm-hmm. you know, really playing. Um, and the theory is, only maybe won't make as many. Of course, they they could. Who knows? But I think anytime you can play live football, and it's not like a scrimmage or a mock game or mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's better than just butting heads against your own offense or defense for another week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think you can I – mean, the other side of that argument is, like, everything about Indiana is going to be brand new. Tom Allen was very successful in keeping the door shut. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have some big surprise that Illinois is not ready for, and it hurts them just like last year you know, for Nebraska playing at mm-hmm. Illinois. Scott Frost admitted those like we were not ready for Ryan Walters to do what he did defensively. Um, they were not, mm-hmm. by the way, um, and Illinois won that game. So it's you can make a, a very convincing argument, I think, both ways. But I will always lean towards like real games are better. This leads me to another question. Then piggybacking off of that is the fact that Chase Brown came into the season as a clear-cut number one running back, and I know he's talked about it this offseason and in training camp as well, that he's prepared his body and his mind, you know, give him the ball every carry. You know, that's a great goal to say, but it's also realistic to say Chase Brown's not going to get 35 to 40 carries on Friday night at Indiana. Probably not. 
So Again, then, he, he will take them. He will take them for sure. But he will not be given them. Which leads to two points. If I'm Tom Allen in Indiana, I make Tommy DeVito try to beat me Friday night. I load up the box. I dare Illinois to have DeVito kind of slice and dice and pick apart the Indiana secondary. I do not let Chase Brown beat me because he showed in one half of football that he could essentially do that to Wyoming. Second part is with no Josh McCray, who then gets the second most carries and when does Brett Bielema, Barry Lenny Jr. put in, say it's a close game and you want to have Chase Brown fresh and ready, as fresh as you can be in the fourth quarter when all the chips are on the line. How do you how do you go about divvying up those carries and, and who gets those carries besides Chase Brown? Well, I don't think it's going to be like one guy suddenly emerges as the new number two. Mm-hmm. I think what we saw, you know, when Josh McCray got hurt, it was it'll be Chase Hayden and Reggie Love sort of splitting you know, those carries. You know, Aiden Lawfrey, you know, the freshman mm-hmm. from Gibson City, uh, at least will dress as far as things stand on Thursday mm-hmm. you know, for the game. Um, so he might get involved a little bit. It probably depends on how the game is going would be my guess. But uh, I think you'll see the similar split between Chase Hayden and Reggie Love. Maybe give Reggie Love a little bit more because you know, obviously uncorked a pretty impressive 33-yard you know, touchdown run against Wyoming. Half of which the run, no one thought he, he was down, but he wasn't. Yeah, Smart he, move by him. He knew enough that he landed on top of a bunch and of his Wyoming first dudes. his first career touchdown. Yeah, it was an impressive run. Um, but like those two will, I think, split the backup role. Um, as far as when, I mean, with the Wyoming game, I think Chase Brown... I think he got like the first three series, mm-hmm. and then you know, Josh McCray came in for one. Um, that probably would be a similar rotation. Mm-hmm. I could see. I mean, I guess it's all dependent on mm-hmm. how close the game is, but Chase Brown getting maybe twenty-two, twenty-four mm-hmm. carries. I just up that a little bit, um, and then you know, however many. Remain gets split between everybody else, and then yeah, I think you're right. Like Tommy DeVito's going to have to complete some passes just to get guys out of the box. Although Chase Brown showed last year when <laughs> there was no passing game, that eight, nine, ten men in the box didn't really slow him down. Mm-hmm. And I mean too, and and I know last October's game at Penn State was a exception rather than the norm. You know, with the whole nine overtime. What is the non upal the non correct? He had 33 carries in that game, so he has... And he had, th- I think, 30-something against Charlotte, his other 200-yard. Had 30 carries at Minnesota last year as well. Yeah, so, I mean... It's possible. If I think if, they need, if the need is there, like, he could get... But is that good in the second game of the season to do that when you've got 10 more? I, again... Yes, I mean, because you have to win now. Like mm-hmm. you don't like well, you save Chase Brown's legs, and then you're like three and nine. What's the point? That's a fair point. Indiana, Illinois have met. This is the seventy second meeting between the two schools, separated by about three hours. Two hours. 
38 minutes. That's how fast Champagne to Bloomington, Indiana? What, I, cause I looked it up yesterday because I was just trying to plot my course because there's about six different ways you can go. None of them are direct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a little under two hours, 45 minutes. You've made several trips to Bloomington over the years for basketball. First for football. First for football. This is almost the, f- the first time, first time in a decade, almost. That's that a these long teams time. It's like a decade. It's like ten years. Uh, Twenty thirteen was the last time Illinois played a football game at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, the Hoosiers came to Champaign back in twenty seventeen. Indiana's won the last they three. They did. Ga- mm-hmm. I probably was here for that. Yeah, you covered it. It was in Champaign. Don't remember anything about that Indiana game. won 24-14. Okay. Uh, Indiana's won the last three games in the series. Won 24-14 in the 2017 season in Champaign. Last time in Bloomington, the Hoosiers won 52-35. That's a lot of points. Uh, in 2012, there was a time when these teams played in back-to-back years. Uh, 2012, Indiana won 31-17 in Champaign. Uh, but Illinois leads the all-time series 44-24 with three ties. And there has been, we have to ask Lauren Tate for his, for the reasons why for this, I'm not entirely sure. But looking back at their series history, there has been a uh, stretch in the past where they didn't play uh, for quite some time. Illinois won 21-0 in 1951 at Bloomington, and then the two teams did not play again until 1959 in Bloomington. I don't know if there was a brouhaha like it was with Illinois-Iowa, where those two teams didn't play for quite some time, but there's a little rundown of the the series history. When was the first year Illinois-Indiana played, Scotty? Trivia time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I'm going to say 1911. No. 1899. I was thinking, I wanted to say 1800 something, but like, I was like. A 5 nothing win by the Hoosiers in Champaign. <laughs> Followed up by 1900, a 0-0 tie in Champaign. Actually, the first, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, the first six Illinois-Indiana games featured only one team scoring. There was, the other team did not put up any points. So That's, there you go. I feel great about tomorrow's game. <laughs> you should if you're an Illinois fan because Brett Bielema, granted this was all during his time at Wisconsin when he went to three Rose Bowls. He's 7-0 and all time against the Hoosiers. Conversely, Tom Allen's 1-0 and all time against Illinois. Yeah. yeah. That's when Brett Bielema, and like he brought it up this week when talking about his running backs, was like, you know, just the depth. And he's like, you know, that one year I had – you know, Monte Ball was a starter, and James White backed him up, and Melvin Gordon backed him up. I was like, I, "That's you don't have that yet, Brett." Mm-hmm. Did you know that in the series history between Illinois, Indiana, they have played three neutral side games? And Scott Ritchie looks perplexed at the thought of that. I mean, in 1931, they played to a zero-zero tie in Chicago. Okay. Not sure where it was at in Chicago. Don't know if it was Soldier Field or. I don't think Soldier. Soldier I think Soldier Field Field exists in the thirties. Yeah, nineteen thirty-one is the year Lauren Tate was born. You should ask him. (laughs) He's seen it all. Nineteen eighty-four, they played in Indy, at the Hoosier Dome. Okay. Illinois won thirty-four-seven. 
and I'm doing a quick scan of very small type here in the media guide and I cannot find the th or no they, they're the only two they're twice so twice I was I, I added wrong math was hard two times they played neutral site games between schools that are geographically close in location but yeah it does make a lot of sense that's okay uh picks for Friday night well they'll run in Friday's music that if you picked up Thursday's news gazette. You already saw my prediction on our weekly Big Ten page that will run uh, throughout the season. I've got Illinois two and zero, Scotty. I got them winning a close one, twenty-one seventeen. I think my exact words were: Tommy DeVito's going to throw a late touchdown pass to Brian Hightower, and caravan of cars are going to lead the Illinois team bus back to Champaign for a arrival at two a.m. Saturday. Dear Lord. <laughs> What uh, what say you about Friday night's game? Is this well, going to make Illinois fans happy or mad? Well, probably not happy. So mad? Well, that's not it's not a binary <laughs> choice on one or the other. It could just be indifferent. Um, I did. I gave you a score like not thirty minutes ago. I don't remember what it was. But I have Indiana winning twenty four twenty. Okay, there you go. You remembered it. That's yes. good. Um, just because. Why Why you such a hater, Scotty? I got vibes. Okay. And my vibes were on last year when it came to football. Uh, didn't you have like a three-game losing streak late in the season? I was talking about early in the year okay, when enough. I got the first seven games right. Um, just going with the gut. They both, need, both teams need to win at Indiana. I might disband their program if they don't. <laughs> um, just, a, just a vibe I have. Okay. And I hope I'm still awake. When the game ends, me too. Because you got to write some stories for yeah. our paper and our website, Scotty. So very sleepy in the press box. I understand. All right, so I'll end it with this uh, uplifting question then, since I've got Illinois at two and zero and a third of the way to bowl eligibility, and Scotty's got them at one and one after Friday night. We'll see who's right next week on on a, the next podcast of Inside the Line of Football. What happens? Uh, what happens first? Illinois football gets its second win of the season or the Big Ten finally releases its basketball schedule? Well, I just assume the Big Ten will never release its basketball <laughs> schedule. So win number two for the Illini. All right. So you're saying Virginia? No, I think I picked Virginia in our last podcast. Things can change. It's fluctuating. That's true. Um, so you're saying when they beat when they beat Chattanooga on September 22nd, we're still not going to have a Big Ten basketball schedule? I have zero faith. In the Big Ten. Like, I think I've mentioned it several times about the NBA has their schedule for next year. Major done. League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball has their spring training schedule now complete. Like, what is going on, Big Ten? Yeah. It's, Killing me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get a billion dollars in new TV money, but you can't release whatever. It's, it's frustrating. Pe why, why would people want to plan things or, you know, figure out their lives? Yeah, I'd like to remind the Big Ten, like, you did agree to play two games in December. Like, mm -hmm. that's coming faster than you would imagine. Be here. It is September right now. They're going to start practices later this month. All right, we end a football pack podcast talking about basketball. I think that's fine. Okay, fair enough. All right, uh, stay tuned for all the coverage from Bloomington. Scott Ritchie will be tuned in on com. Follow him on Twitter as well. Be sure to... Pick up Saturday's News Gazette and Sunday's News Gazette. We'll have comprehensive coverage from uh, Friday night's game in Bloomington. For Ed Bond, 
making this sound good for Scott Ritchie providing his insight. I'm Matt Daniels. We'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Atlanta Football.